I'm going to read a paragraph and then we can, after that, we can have our little check-in. We're in the fourth of seven steps, stages, seven stages of radical repair, beyond repair. And number four, and it starts off with, from the, it's instructions for the woman. This comes from Anne Chloe Destremo. Your only conversation is, quote, your gremlin attack will not unlock the door to relating with me. Your gremlin strategy simply does not happen here. You use your gremlin as a primary survival strategy. It looks like you are terrified. Nonetheless, the requirement in this space is that every time your gremlin shit comes up, you handle it. You go to your three cell, your possibility team, your EHP dojo, your gremlin transformation coach. You put your gremlin shit on the table with them as ugly as it real, really is and you handle it. Okay. How many people have been saying that this week? <laughs> Yay, Ingrid. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Yeah. That's why they're together on screen. <laughs> Two on the same screen. Wow. Wow. Okay. Let's hear some reports. Jacqueline. Hello and good day, whatever time it is, wherever you are. Skip that part. We skip that part. I don't know where you're coming okay. from. Some new age, whatever. We skip that part here. Go ahead. Report from yes. Um, Today, I am kicking off my first Rage Club that I'm space holding for, and I'm really excited about it. Mm -hmm. so, that's my big report for today. That is the basis of all of this. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, yes. Antonio. You're back. Hello. I'm back. But you, you've defended yourself with a large column of old books. It's not <laughs> going to help you. It is not going to help you. Unless it falls off and hits you in the head and you have an enlightenment moment. Otherwise, it's not going to help you. I agree. Okay. <laughs> You wanna you wanna share something from your world? Um, I did a sort of just besides yes. the um part. I did a bridge house with my children and uh, the person I'm living with, traveling, and it was very um, it was uh, it was joyful and there was. Um, um, we we it brings me joy that we we worked apparently with uh redu there was reduced low drama of course there was low drama but it was not too apparent and um there was healing and uh they, my my daughter will do she agreed to do the ETB <laughs> It was not a demand. It was not a demand. It was um, 
the um, the person I'm with said spontaneously, she said it before, that we were going to live together. She's going to leave her apartment. She said the first money she will spare from that will be to do an ETB. So there's um, wow. there's things moving. And um, it was, we shared a lot of, of distinctions, sensations, emotions. And it was, it was beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Mm. Queen of the study group. The queen of the study group is here. Ava Dalbert. <laughs> tell us about it. Tell us. You have to tell us. Okay. I am I have made a new decision. I think you're is- doing I think you're doing the experiment from study group number one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It only took me 115 times to get there, but it's never too late. That's right. (laughs) What's your new decision? My new decision is to uh, experiment with relating without um, without focusing on so is this the potential next partner or not? But just to enjoy the relating and to, well, I studied Spark 157. And I just noticed, well, the first thing my box does is to try to to um, avoid any exciting moment where I could find a new man and start relating altogether. So, so <laughs> So that's the first part. And then the second zone of my box is then when I am relating to someone, my box is, it's really, it's it's so interesting. My box can do small talk that sounds like really deep stuff. It it, it can see, it can seem like, whoa, this is really transformation healing because I'm talking about transformation healing, but it's just, it's just a new way of, Doing small talk and avoiding <laughs> to actually be the person across from me. <laughs> so that is the the next layer of my box. And today I already had one uh, success with noticing that and and yeah, well, just navigating more to now. And that was great. The result result is. Six men and five women in the study group. That's the result. I didn't get you were broken. What is the result? The, the result is six men and five women in the study group. All right. That's <laughs> significant result. <laughs> Thank you for your experiments. <laughs> the future looks bright. <laughs> In six women. What? Six women and six men. One, two. Yeah, you're right. Five, six. Oh, man. Yay. <laughs> I counted <laughs> myself half women and half men. So also, Jeff, you know, and Ian, come on. Ian and Mark, come on. Oh, well. All right. Thank you. No, <laughs> save for the wicked. <laughs> what do you say? No.
What for the wicked? No rescue for the wicked. That's right. Thank you. Okay. Somebody else, anything, something else from your experiments in the domain of radical relating? Did you share about our, our offer on Thursday? Nope. Jeff, you're mumbling. <laughs> yeah, it's it's 6 a.m. Um, hey! No excuse. That was my excuse. Your gremlin will not unlock any door to relating with us. <laughs> Jeff, it's 4 a.m. Get over it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, speaking of, we are on Thursday, Jacqueline and I are... We, we've declared a space for navigating offers for intimacy because it's a space that we've been practicing a lot. I have been practicing, trying to practice and failing, and I wanted to create a space to practice more. So we're working on it together. Publicly. Publicly. Sounds and edge work. And being here in in this place in in Guatemala, so many of the conversations we have it's they've just become about about how to do this with other people and practicing in real time in kind of wherever we are in groups of people and I don't know some something in people's faces lights up whenever we whenever it's it happens and it's it's so simple and and yeah i i just i'm i'm just floored about how how what a simple thing that i've never had access to like nobody ever told me hey you can just mm, invite someone to 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 do what what you want instead of asking if it's okay for them or asking what do they want and just put myself first, like put my, my vulnerability on the table first and put, make myself available to be, to be torn down, to, to get a no, make, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like that. I mean, imagine going into one of those spaces, Jeff, and just reading this article out loud, start, <laughs> you know, Beyond repair, you just stand up and you just start reading it out loud. When you sit down, That's you just, you just <laughs> <talk>. <laughs> it a context that would be interesting. And people would remember, they go, there was this guy in the cafe. You wouldn't believe what he was doing. He was saying this stuff. It would change people's lives. <laughs> and it would not be your fault. You could blame Aunt Chloe. Somebody else. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the proposal. Yeah. Janet, are you gone for a reason or anyway? Anyone? I'm just getting a drink of getting a drink of water. Okay. If you, and we're interested in what you have to say. But it, okay, it, I'm first. Not yet. Okay. Somebody else. I. I have had the wow. I'm I'm really glad to be here in this. Whew, um, 
I feel this incredible, beautiful, uh, golden love permeating my body right now. And I, I had this, this week, the, the experiment or kind of the, I don't know, I had the chance to really face into the nose that life's give me, that life gives me. And I got, I took the risk to break apart on them. And I noticed that usually, I think in my life, when when life gave me a no, I went somewhere else to get a yes. And I I managed to sneak by life all my expectations that I had that were covered behind my requests. And this week, I didn't do that. This week, I, I stayed with the nose and broke apart in them. And yeah, I've... Uh, I've come to see that the... Hmm, how would say that? Like that in, in, this, in this journey beyond like what it feels like actually beyond repair there is like i go i go back to my mom's belly basically and and see all those ways that i've reached out for my mother and didn't get a yes and uh, built this this wall of resentment and expectation behind it and and when I when I allow myself to feel the pain of that, when I allow myself to, or this week I felt the pain of that, I just break down for days. I just I just cry for days. And yeah, that that was that that was part of this. Like at the moment, I'm holding space with nine other men in this journey beyond repair and i feel like well for this space and this is so i don't know since three weeks basically when i sit down and just am with myself i'm i'm in this breakdown i'm breaking down this this wall of expectations in my heart yeah, yeah. How, how do you get from how do you get from that to this golden love that you were talking about? That's, a, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, I mean, I was, I've been talking about this a lot lately, but anytime I'm in that, by now this broken down state has become my home. And anytime I'm in the golden love state, I pretty much feel like it's a fantasy world and I can't wait to get back into the broken down state again mm. with other people, you know, with other people in the broken down state. And we had a great trainer path meeting today. that was really about that. And it was a, a joy to be in the broken down state together. So I was wondering if that's what was up for you. Yeah, it's, it sounds like that. It sounds like that. Thank you.
Thank you, Kian. Thank you. Go ahead, Janet. What to talk about or what to bring into this space? Janet Redmond is a good start. Yeah, I was watching what, what would I, I'm noticing my fear and my fears about you. We talked just over 24 hours ago, Clinton, and what's unfolding, what's coming through me. It between just after Christmas, particularly the last six days, James and I have been in a beautiful sexual relating space. And I feel nervous talking about it. And how precious to be someone who's 65 on Saturday and having the most delicious sexual experiences with a man that's held space only for my pleasure for over six months. And that's meant layers and layers and layers of me fall away, melt, and the new spaces that open through me because of it. Mm -hmm. And we talked last night, we went out to Nicholas Smith's place and we took, we said, let's, let's write about this together. Mm. So bad for me, it's not the word you use, but like it's a melting into deeper into, into myself, into the everything as a woman. Yeah, I'm shaking. <clears throat> and the space we're holding here physically, we've, I've called it the haven, and we've got a stream of people wanting to come and live around us and be with us, not from our intentional construction but this is what's been evolving and that's what it's like for me now not going for something like I would have in the past but what what is bubbling up what's inside and I loved you asked me what's my speciality and after I got over being pissed off with you asking such a stupid linear question <laughs> I you know, I'm, I'm first of all, whatever was my speciality is being Janet <laughs> and that I'm a box of chocolates and you, you, mm. you try and put me in one box. I think I wrote to you, I, so, you know, in Mallorca and you said, which brain are you? I said, come on, Clinton, I'm a woman. I'm, and then I showed you as a Scottish dance, dancing in each of the quadrants. So uh, I'm, I'm everything. And the space we're holding here called The Haven, we've, I've named it Holding Attunement for Vulnerable Evolution Now. Like each each communication. Yeah, so there's so much going on. I, I'm not sure if any of that made sense. But Millicent's going to come. She's living in Christchurch. She's coming. She said there's some manuscripts to be collated. So she... It's all in 26 hours since I spoke to you, Clinton. Yeah, time to write a book. 
Go, Janet. Thank you. I, I don't know if you could let in some of the joy from all these people. Did you, could you, we're going to do it again, right? Well, I'm on, on my phone, so you're on these little tiny stamps. Hold it really close to your left eye. Just hold it. Yes, come on, you have to hold it close. You can see it. <laughs> That's a really exciting thing. All those things you said were exciting. Even if you didn't understand it, fantastic. You know, understanding is oversold, I think. Thank you. Somebody else? Mr. Portner, Mrs. Vegala. Anybody else? Yes. About six months ago, I started an experiment. My experiment was based on the question, what would it be like to have the heartbreak before the relationship? Because all of my relationships ended with a heartbreak. So over the summer, it took me about two or three months to kind of figure out how to let my heart break when I'm not in a relationship with a significant other. And in November and December, I got to experience two different individuals and experience it with my heart already broken. Uh, interesting takeaways. I was a lot less vulnerable in that fear wasn't guiding how I was relating around each scary episode. And when I made a mistake, I would be like defensive for like a second. And then it would be like, no, I, I own up. I did that. I'm responsible. What can we do to repair it? And those are notable differences for me with my heart already broken and just expanding and open to something different. The second uh, experience was not really a rejection, but working out to be the same thing as, as a rejection where she, um, I made clear like what I wanted to talk about. And she made clear that she wasn't open for a romantic or a long-term relationship at this point. And that we could be in communication and be friends. The hardship for me, of course, is finding somebody who seems to be at the point of evolution that matches where I am. So it was really rough to be like, ah, I found you. And, and you're not really there because you're doing your own thing. And it doesn't match what I want at this point. I don't match what you want and you don't match what I want. And the other experience I'm having is that I uh, tested positive for COVID the first week of December. And so I've been going through the process of being isolated for the whole month of December. Whoa. 
yeah, it's been low. Like the number of events that I don't go to, like I basically went out of the house for the first time on Friday. And um, the only other so, person I know who does that, the only other person I know who does that is Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Only goes out once a year. <laughs> right. That's right. Otherwise, reindeer, elves, and shit like that. <clears throat> now we know who Santa Claus really is. <laughs> <laughs> I do give lots of gifts. Okay. Yeah. Reveal yourself, buddy. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Thank you. Mark. I believe I'll be going back into society this week. I'm pretty sure I'm I'm not contagious anymore. Mark, do you intend to continue with the broken heart uh, card? You know, like yes, yes. But now I actually have to redo it because, like, it was like complete, and now it needs to be broken again to open up. You need somebody to to create space. No, I need to create the space so that the somebody can come in. You said you could do it yourself. I can break my heart myself. Yes. Thank you. So, yeah, it takes time. It, it's it's like making myself vulnerable to myself to open a space that allows others to come in and me hold that vulnerable space. It's um, the best analogy is when you say that the man is a void. Just an open space, nothing. It's it's literally clearing out and making the open space a nothing. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. We're really happy to hear your edgework experiments, especially during such an intense time. Yeah, people blowing up fireworks and you're just sitting there, you know, with a broken heart. Thank you. I missed you guys the past two weeks, even if it is 4 a.m. Thank you. Any last words from anybody? Anybody ready to speak? I would just add a lot of stuff is coming up over this new topic or this or about archiarchy. And so I have lots of thoughts that are currently dispersed, but they'll come in because they're contextual. So as we go, okay. I, I have stuff to share. No, wait, will you say that stuff that you were saying this is happening because it's archiarchy that happened? Oh, <clears throat> I'll I'll start somewhere. In Poland, we're coming. We're going back to Poland in, in over the summer, and I was really excited about doing a game world builder lab because we didn't get the chance to do it in Costa Rica, and some people are actually really excited about doing it in Costa Rica. But then Clinton said. There's something missing. There's something 
that people need that's not in the game world builder. And so we were thinking about it and we came up with this name called that the lab is a radical relating Arkin Village game world builder lab. <laughs> we try to put everything in five days. You should be there. That's gonna be great. <laughs> but where it came from was I was I was noticing that even in spaces that are held by possibilitators that are one wonderful people, that there's still this like background of low drama or um or, or or avoidance or fear like unconscious fear and not really like it's not explode exploding with firework of creation and love and proposals and commitment to each other and you know let's play and dance and do it all you know even online and I, I was thinking well, how is that possible when when I know these people can navigate you know, in themselves, mad, sad, glad, and scared, feelings, emotion, low drama, high drama, the basic distinction. <clears throat> and what it came up to is that whoever's the space holder is n not holding space for archaearchy. Mm. Like they're holding space for like a default. I don't think they even think about like what they're holding space for. And so it's a default, whatever, how, however their life contextual like their their cultural context in their life they're bringing into the the space as a space holder and then that's what people have to try to deal with or try to blossom into or try to and there's so much resistance and what i was getting is the environment like our environment has so much power over us and and so i started really getting sad and pissed off and scared of like going, you know, delivering labs or ETBs or even Rage Club or Fear Club and people, you know, participants like lower their numbness bar becomes, you know, reveal the sensitive being that they really are and then have to go back into modern culture that is a war, like it's a survival war that is really actually so harsh on the being. And, and I, it was, it was kind of, I mean, it's kind of, stupid or it's not really relevant to many people's life but we clinton and i were on an island over for <clears throat> on, an, on an island off the island of bali for christmas and new year's and there's this amazing infinity pool looking over the ocean and you can hear the, the waves and the birds and there's still a, so many birds and just nature is there and the people there could not live without techno house metal like heavy metal music ongoingly like they could not survive that environment without the boom boom and i i just couldn't believe it because i could not stand it within one minute i was like this is shattering my nervous system this is destroying i like i need to protect myself and and I thought, okay, well, that's this kind of music. I mean, it kind of gave me this picture. This kind of music is the war that's really happening in modern culture. And it has all different kind of sound and other sensation. So, so I think it's up to us, like, in a, you know, us in the study group, us possibilitator. How do we create a village, like an actual village and an Arkin village where people can actually move into, like completely move into so that the being has complete 
space, like complete freedom has everything that it needs to blossom. Like on every, it's like what, what Janet, you're talking about this haven for the being that every conversation is for the being. And it's not one conversation mm -hmm. for the being and one conversation is survival. Cause that just, people shut down, gremlin comes up and then to navigate back to undefendedness takes so long. And I, I remember um, when Sophia was here with us in Bali, one morning we were sitting at a breakfast in the rice terraces and she just sits across me and Clinton and she says, what are you not telling us about radical relating? Like, you know, what are the secrets? Or, And <clears throat> nobody ever asked me that question, so I didn't have a pre-planned answer. <clears throat> what I discovered is that Clinton and I are both sourcing a space where we're ongoingly undefended, that we don't have to put any kind of barriers, like there's no protection needed. Because even one movement, like one, um, I don't know, ordinary one uh, attack, it takes, like I said, it takes so long to navigate back to vulnerability to undefendedness and then intimacy is all about trying to navigate back to undefendedness instead of relating in undefendedness it's like how can we mm -hmm. repair this it's like what you were saying mark you know how can we repair this and and that, that's actually not relating that's well it's a form of intimacy but it's not a very ecstatic one it's like when is the next blow going to come from you know it's sort of like that trying to lower my num numbness bar but when when I'm going to be betrayed again. And, and so this, the possibility of not being, you know, betrayed or have to protect yourself, I think comes like, if you're holding space for archaearchy, betrayal is not an option. Like it's just, it's actually not available in the space as a possibility. And so even if somebody tries, you say, this is just not the space. This just doesn't happen here. It, so it's outside. It's like, well, whatever you're trying to do, this stays in the buffer zone. Like it stays outside of the buffer zone. Because in archaearchy, it's a whole other, it's a whole other interaction that happens. And, you know, and, and you can do that. Like we're we're talking about, you know, relating in terms of a whatever couple, but but I think it's it it can it can and it is like needed to happen in teams, like whole teams, groups, the possibilitator training, free sale, rage club, that each, you know, the EHP, whatever, EHP teams is, this is where archaearchy lives. And we're not trying to navigate low drama. We're not trying to navigate outside of low drama because that's not archaearchy. That's something else. Can you say that again in a different way? About navigating outside of love. Well, it's it's not like a, you know, <clears throat> sometimes I hear people, okay, we're putting the poop on the table. It's like, okay, poop on the table is a tourist technology um, technology, and it's useful, but that's not what relating is about. Like, that's not what a team is about. You, you know, you do it one time when it's needed, you know, hopefully at one time a year, you know, and it that it would not be needed more than that because the 
the space is oriented towards something else. I don't know how to say it. It's well, you had this great metaphor. Would you tell the Princess Bride? Really? Yeah. How many people have not seen the Princess Bride movie? Ingrid, Jeff, unbelievable. Antonio. <clears throat> okay. All right. I'm glad because most of you then will understand the metaphor that I'm going to relate from the film. And it has to do with when Wesley and the, the princess are escaping from the evil king and have decided to enter this forest, which is a dark forest that's famous for the rodents of unusual size, rodents of unusual size, and these flaming like outbursts of gas that will just catch you on fire if you're not really careful. So there's this one, an additional danger in the forest, which is these sand pits. I don't know what the, I forget the name of them, but it's a sand pit. Lightning sand, I think. It doesn't really, okay. It doesn't light on fire. It's just this, it's like quicksand, but it's dry. So you're walking around and you just, and if you fall into one of these sand pits, you don't have a hold of one of the vines that grows nearby. If you don't have a hold of that, you can't get out. And so the princess, who's inexperienced and young and, you know, is just enjoying her stay in the dangerous forest, falls into one of these sand pits. And Wesley, the hero, pulls out his sword, whacks one of these vines, grabs it, and jumps in after her to pull her out. And it's almost instantaneous. Like she falls in, he jumps in with the vine. And so, but if he did not have the vine, it would be useless for him to jump in the same pit. They would both die. They would both spend the rest of eternity in the low drama swamp. And that would be the end of the movie. It would be really just a sad ending. But fortunately, Wesley jumps in with one of these vines and then he holds onto her and can pull up, up on the vine and get them both out. And so the point is, there's two things to that. One is that the sand pit is not so big and you, you're falling in the middle of it, but a meter away is the edge. A meter away from that is a completely different experience of walking safely and upright, being able to breathe and see and everything in the forest. Being, and so it's only a meter away. You get that? So you might think that it's this, this swampy world, whatever, it, it is, is everything but it's a meter away as a completely different possibility. And it's possible to go kind of everywhere with one of these vines. You just carry the vine with you. And what that means is wherever you go, you fall in, you've got the vine, you go, oh, God. And it reminds you that there's someplace else besides the sand. You've got this vine that reminds you that there's someplace else. And so you just pull on it and get yourself back out of the hole. And it's not like trying to be, you know, I'll never fall in the hole. You know, mm -hmm. I'm bad or wrong or stupid if I fall in the hole. No, you fall in the hole sometimes, but you have this vine. And I, I was remembering uh, one time not so long ago with Sophia in Bali here, where I had these two rocks that I was using to crack open my my little, uh, my, my apricot kernels. 
that that have this medicine inside with these two stones so we could have some apricot kernels. And then she comes up to me and says, can I have one of your rocks? I need to, I need to use one of your rocks. So she grabs one of these stones and she just starts carrying it around because for her at the moment, it was the vine. That, it was a, it was a direct connection back to reality. It's just like reality. What is reality? It's this stone, but the stone doesn't even have a name because words are bullshit. Words are fabrications. You know, it's just that, you know, this is it. This is reality. And and it was a functioning as the vine to pull ourselves out. And so I, I recommend watching the movie again. And when you get to that part, stop the movie and just explain all this to everybody. And, and you can carry some kind of vine around with you, you know, some wire or some something that acts as your vine. Possibility or stone. Thank you. We we will be leaving now. Thank you for this. You're welcome. Where did you say, Mark? Possibilitator stone can take you anywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, and so, for example, I was thinking, Janet, about your haven. You know, people are attracted to it because when they enter it, they can become something undefended. They can become vulnerable. They discover whole new parts of themselves. And the next questions that I had you know, and I think it's also partly why people come to our trainings, you know, and there's also other things happening in the trainings, but people come because it's like the, there's a village, there's a communication, like there's a connection with people that they, they have not learned how to source themselves. And that's my next quest is how do I, what does it take? What does it take for somebody to not only be able to visit that space, but to, to be able to take it with them? So that they, when they leave strong space holders, they can source archaearchy also themselves, wherever they go. Ingrid? I, you had your hand up. Did you need to speak or you were just agreeing? I just wanted to ask Janet if haven is the same as heaven or is, is it something else? Because... Some no. Like sanctuary would be another word. Thank yeah. Thank you. Uh, trying to come up with an acronym for the word sanctuary would be really a challenge. <laughs> 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 Love it. Yeah. yeah, and particularly for me to hold a space where people's absolute incompetence is okay. So that's what we've... We did our first Zoom call yesterday for people who are coming in a place where I want my incompetence to be be held, a space for it to come forward, and then we can live live in the Arkan village. Yeah. The competence of incompetency. Hmm. How well can you be incompetent? <laughs> <laughs> I can I can be incompetent excellently. <laughs> I mean it it's really a, a treasure to realize or recognize the value in stuff that most people have already judged or prejudged you know, as being bad or wrong or stupid. 
you know, you get access to the, the experience of incompetence is a doorway to a whole other domains of new distinctions and, and new possibilities. So, mm -hmm. And if you judge somebody else as incompetent, there's another doorway that opens up. I mean, in a way, it's like saying that a child is incompetent when, when what they're actually doing is discovering new ways that are not viable or conceivable in an adult world. <clears throat> and so... Or in a parent world. Yeah, the parent world. <laughs> I have to tell you, life here in the tropics is bizarre because we have a bath mat shoved under the door that goes out to our back porch because just before the study group, uh, there was this huge invasion of these large ants with wings, and they all were, there's a cloud of them outside, and the way to get in was they were climbing under the door. And I'm just noticing now that uh, there's a gecko coming in through the top of the door going, where's my meal? Because they all came in here. So he's trying to follow them in here to get his meal of these ants, because the ants, you know, before they go flying out, they become full with this kind of energy, which is when you eat them, it's the sweetest time to eat the ants because they have this extra energy, enough energy to go fly somewhere. So I, I learned this in Ecuador when they were serving us flying ants, <laughs> roasted flying ants for lunch one day as a specialty because they happened to, it was their time to go fly and they caught them and we got to eat them. So just in case you needed that information for some reason. I'm fasting, thanks. <laughs> yeah. But aren't you an ant yourself? No, just kidding. Okay. Anything from you? Yes. I'm ready to read the, the next paragraph. No, we, we spent, we, I thought we yeah. went through this article in yeah, one or two weeks, and we are still only in the middle of it. So I would like to really complete this for the beneficence of every of the universe. Okay. Let's just read. All right. Do you want to read? No. <clears throat> Wherever the man goes to get support with his growing up processes, parentheses, clearly not with you, the woman, end parentheses, the processes need to be in a mixed group of men and women. Why is this? Because no men's group is radically honest enough to transform this level of gremlin shit. Uninitiated men are scared to their wit's end and will unconsciously cover for each other. Telling each other, this is far enough. I am thinking about practicing now. Uh, you too? Uh, I'm taking a look at it. You know, all of this gremlin speak. It is insufficient. The man has to actually do something different, something else. Practicing over and over, actual behavior changes, builds matrix for a growing being, a new kind of being. Genuine gremlin transformation is required. The woman stays on the side of the liquid states that are beyond repair. Just let me just say it again. I mean, what a cool thing to have to clarity that the woman stays on the side 
you know, supporting, like is in is in support of the liquid states that are beyond repair. I I will mention it because I was talking about it earlier, and then Janet, you brought this open the door for this topic of sexuality and the possibility of what I'm hearing from you of arc and sex. And this thing about the woman stays on the side of li- of the liquid state that are beyond repair, in one of the ways that I learned to have the man happy was to give him an orgasm. Like if I could have sex with a guy, then I would have peace. Then I would, I would have, he'd be happy, he'd be satisfied, and I could have a bit of my life for myself for a while. And and I've noticed that, and I've talked about it with different women of this thing of when the man is unhappy, we've been trained to try to make him happy. And one of the ways is through sex. And that's just, that's patriarchal sex. Right? It's sex for manipulation, sex for something. I just wanted to slide it in there in terms of for the woman to, you know, to stay on the side of the liquid state means that he's not going to be happy. He's not going to be okay. And, and this thing about the men being okay, you know, it's really at a survival base for us. And I think it was mentioned in a, for us women in other, in the previous study group of this article of, you know, if the man is not okay, that means, that means what, when we get home, you know, I get screamed at, I get hit, I get, thrown out the door, I get rejected from the village, I get killed, I get burned. You know, when the men are not okay, it triggers a huge amount of these emotional fears in in the women. So I, I think I said that before, the, the recommendation is to do the emotional healing process and learn Krav Maga. You have to explain what that is. Krav Maga, this is... Yeah. Krav Maga is the Mossad, is the Israeli Secret Service um, combat technique. It's a martial art from Israel. You should tell a story and, about you and Vera. Yeah, and so in Portugal, me and Vera, before the Women of Earth, we decided that this was a skill that we wanted to practice with the women in the Women of Earth lab. So we went to this woman who turns out to be one of the most like highest decorated or advanced woman in Krav Maga teaching woman only class. She's almost the only woman teaching woman only class. And also she's teaching children how to do Krav Maga so that they're not bullied in school. And she figured, she figured out that the kids who suffer the most bullying are in the most elite school, like the most private, rich schools. Well, yeah. And, and there was, uh, I mean, she was telling us stories of basically the first thing we learn is how to hit. You hit and you scream. And the whole point is not to be able to fight somebody. It's to be able to make as much damage in a short amount of time so that you can run away. The whole point is do damage and you can run away and you take care of your life. And so we have this huge, uh, like, <coughs> Punching, punching balls. Vera comes in at the right moment with a whole, huge, how do you call it? This boxing, boxing bag and punching bags. And it's basically the, the guy's face 
and she says, just go ahead. You use palms and you, and you, and you scream and you go and run and run. And we, and so for two hours and like three hours nonstop, she would just keep going and do it again and do it again. You know, we say we're tired, hit harder. You know, you can't do it, just hit harder. And that, that was her motto. It's like, because we have all this trigger as women of, I'm too weak, I'm too tired, you know, he's he's had to be down. And and she's just putting on these other grooves of you hit harder and you run. And that was her whole thing. And we did it with the women in the lab. And it, it was just fantastic because it also, you know, brought up, for some women just couldn't do it, just could not. It was against, you know, the rules, the laws that they've been taught. And just patriarchy. Yeah, in the patriarchy. Can you tell her what she said about your voice, voices? Yeah. And she, yeah, she, the teacher, the, teacher, the woman, the Krav Maga teacher, she was just so glad to be training Vera and I because we could scream. Like we, we already had our voice back. And she said that so many in the beginning, in the first course, those women, most women don't have their voice. Like they can't, they don't have rage. And so they would just do, ah, uh, really like that, like, ah, uh, whispering. She would walk to the other side of the room and say, I can't hear you. <laughs> no, you don't move from where you are until I can hear you. And for three hours, she would have the woman over there until, I can't hear you, until the woman could actually use her voice back. So it was a mm. form of rage club. And with, but, <clears throat> you know, rage club, we do a bunch of other things. And at the same time, there was never really this clarity of how do I take care of my physical body? You know, the rage club is a lot about taking care of my emotional body, my intellectual body, my energetic body, maybe even archetypal. But it's really this whole other layers about the physical, yeah, care. So that's that's Kav Miguel. Thank you. Welcome. I encourage it. Vera and Sonia reporting anything? You bringing something? Um, yes. Well, I'm exploring how to be more in contact with my feelings and not speak from the mind and be more present when I'm doing so. So this is, has been my practice in the last days. And it's not obvious. It's not easy to do it. I noticed that I, I I go back. I I somehow my being is not that present, and I'm speaking more from my mind. Thank you. Yes, yes. The we started the. It has started the Women of Earth Bridge House in Brazil. Yeah, uh, with the gathering of <clears throat> Alice and Vera and Sonia, and soon to have a Jacqueline there and some some oh. other women. Yeah, <laughs> and and what we've been noticing is that whatever each one of us is practicing, the base the base of the practice is the same. It's, uh, the, the, all the software the same patriarchal thought where and so oftentimes there's one emotion happening here one emotion happening there and and the 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 root is the same the root is the same 
And so this thing about the being, yesterday, uh, I was at a possible women's poss women of earth possibility team. And there were a lot of different women who hadn't been in, a, in, the, in the call for a long time. And it was as if they had, everybody had a, a kind of difficulty to bring their being forward. It was all this speaking from the mind or speaking from usefulness or speaking from trying to impress or trying to, to celebrate. But even the celebration wasn't, hey, I really want to share this with you. It was uh, people, the women were sharing from their inner world. They were energetically, they were in, in, involved inside themselves and, and trying to speak it out. It was so interesting. And so for me, what I, I just discovered, what I love, I want to, part of my, part of my research is bringing uh, the being out, bringing, finding ways I'm looking for processes, uh, anything that brings the, the being out in contact with other human beings. And so we, we practiced this, the, in, of going inside oh i'm feeling like let me see what i'm feeling which is what uh alice and in a way sonia was doing was i'm feeling this let me look inside is i'm feeling this look this is what's happening and letting the the feeling speak so that's what we practiced yesterday well thank you. more to come and i'm going to write that down it's going to be part of women of earth uh bridge house uh archives with the help of jacqueline who's a main archivist. Yeah, yeah, great. Yay. <laughs> Exciting! Wow. Ah, I'm about to dive back in the article. Anybody else? Anything else right now? All right. Well, it doesn't get easier. This article. So <clears throat> the last sentence was. The woman stays on the side of the liquid states of the man that are beyond repair. And that's her ally. You know, that's her agency. That's her aim. That's her colleague. That's her partner in this process is those liquid states that are beyond repair. And the rest of it falls off. Like the rest of it, it's not relevant. Not that, not that, not this, not that. This liquid state, that's relevant. Clinton, did you just say her partner in the process is the liquid state? Yes. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yes. Great. Man's yes. <clears throat> Next paragraph. The path with the capital P, meaning the evolutionary path of consciousness, of men leaving patriarchy and is a completely different set of actions entering archaearchy is absolute practice, complete five-body liquid states. The survival strategy of the man crashes into the wall of reality so seriously that, quote, all the king's horses, you get this, it's the king's horses, and all the king's men, you get the gang of men trying to help each other out there, all the king's horses and all the king's men can never put Humpty Dumpty together again. That's how hard he crashes with these liquid states into the wall of reality, which is 
that patriarchy is bullshit. Complete. Next paragraph. It is death and composting for the weak, desperate, handicapped, miserable patriarchal survival strategy. It, that's, that's the way. It is the death and composting for that survival strategy. Every last male identity dissolves. I mean, it's not just dissolving, it disintegrates. It is breaking the secret deal you, the man, made with your father and your grandfather to carry on their traditions. It's breaking that. It is changing your decision to survive as a lone wolf single fighter like the other men. It's breaking that. It is exiting the fantasy world that modern culture, with its megacities and nanotechnologies, is the best thing that human humanity has ever invented, that the fantasy world of that. It is entering a liquid state that is beyond repair. That's the path. If a man makes any move towards repair, it only barricades him further into the patriarchy. It's so obvious. Piling paper mache on top of your being to further bury your inner patriarchal hell world. You get that? If you're trying to repair yourself, you're repairing yourself with paper mache, which is just numbing dull stuff. Yeah. And it, in your own patriarchal hell world, trying to deny what you're creating on earth as a, as a society, as a culture. For something real to happen, a man can fill his own hollow man up with new distinction dynamite and blow it up from the inside entirely. So this, the distinctions that are dynamite, the new clarity is dynamite that just blows the paper mache fake hollow man into, you know, powdered cellulose. Most so-called men's work, quote-unquote, is about men trying to be okay with adopting the, the lying, pretending, cheating, sneaking code of dishonor. The code of dishonor of the patriarchy. I have something Go ahead. from the paragraph before, Clinton. When you said the, the piling paper mache on top of their being, it's the, I got this the same thing as and Chloe uh, like de delivered a few months ago of the buffer zone, the the coping mechanisms on top of the coping mechanisms, and it can only happen like I I think this the, it happens because what the people think there are distinctions they actually rules, and so I see this happening in, in possibility management uh, uh, with the right wrong okay emotions or it's child ego state is wrong so. I'm I'm going to pretend that I'm an adult. And so it's a paper mache of this fake behavior that okay, now because I'm 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 in child ego state, I shouldn't be in child ego state, so I'm now going to act in a certain way. And so for a distinction, so only distinctions can really do this blowing up in, entirely because their experience, their reference points, their experiences of the being, experiences of life 
with this new distinction. And from the moment that person puts a distinction into a rule, they're building a paper mache uh, layer, basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And when that paper mache hits a distinction, it's like a bowl of oatmeal hitting a, a sharp knife. You know, there's this, there's no way that the oatmeal is going to win in that battle. So if that's how powerful clear distinctions are, they cannot be reduced. They're irreducible. Whereas the paper mache is all crap. That's why they call it crep, crep paper. To remove the pressure, French crep, to remove the pressure to become aware. So there's a strategy that men have. We men have developed in the patriarchy. They've we've developed the strategy to remove the pressure of becoming aware of the horrific consequences of the patriarchy, and the often psychopathic choices and actions that that men make together. Because men gather in circles, trying to validate the patriarchy unconsciously. That's what men's work is. Men gather in circles, trying to validate the patriarchy, trying to be cool, trying to be king of the world, trying to be okay with themselves as a patriarch, blind to seeing it is just their gremlin. If a man repairs his wounded child, then the best he becomes is a child. You get that? The question. I have a question because there's men labs happening or going to happen. And so, not for what, me. Yes, but it, there is. There's a there's a man's lab being organized in yeah. New Zealand. Michael Cordner. And. And so, what would be something of value for if if men go into a lab to do they to could prepare them article together over and over, or have. A, a couple of women in there reading this article over and over to them, explaining what it means. And they don't get to say anything. The men don't get to say anything. They could feel and go in a process in the next room. That would be something useful in a men's lab. The rest is bullshit. Patriarchal men's beings remain unsprouted in small, protective seed pod that gets harder and drier over time. You can see this in corporate people, politicians, doctors, psychologists. You can just see it. it just gets harder and drier. As the years pass, the seed pod crystallizes and petrifies, becoming almost impossible to escape. The path for a man to exit the patriarchy is liquid states beyond repair. I've never seen men coming together to do that for each other. Never. I've tried dozens of times. For the last what, 30 years, I've tried, maybe more. So after three, four, or five years of liquid states beyond repair, it is possible that a little seed of the man's being could start to sprout 
in a different context than patriarchy without even knowing what that is. A man would not know what that is, what that context is. If you impeccably hold the context of the space in which the man lives, that man with the sprout, it could be that the seed of the man's being could begin to unfold into the context of archaearchy. So if this is the woman, so if you, the woman, impeccably hold the context of that space in which the man, the man's being could sprout, it could unfold into the context of archaearchy, and this is not a promise. It's not a guaranteed thing. So you can't expect it. You can just do your work. I mean, I don't know if you ever tried to grow carrots before, for example. But if you plant a carrot seed, it takes a very long time for that thing to sprout. And so all these other things are sprouting all over the place. And the carrots are going, where are the carrots? And then as soon as they start coming up, the ants bring the aphids. And they put aphids on the carrots and just start sucking out all the life juice from the carrots. You go, hey, these are my carrots, you know. So it, just because you have really good soil and sun and water does not mean that the this, this seed is going to make a carrot. It's not guaranteed. It takes magic, basically. So the double-wrapped condition, a double-wrapped, meaning the man's being is inside of this seed pod and inside of patriarchy. So I thought it was... When I read that, I thought it was... The liquid state beyond the men being in the liquid state beyond repair, and the woman holding space for archaearchy impeccably. That's the devil can no. No. Okay. <clears throat> because the rest of the sentence says this double protected, double wrapped condition okay. of a man's being can also be true for men who call themselves coaches, or trainers, or possibilitators. It can be true for those men who have not exited patriarchy. Without becoming destroyed beyond repair, the patriarchalness carried in those men since birth secretly and conceitedly prevails on every level, whether they are aware of it or not, whether they are willing to admit it or not. It's still there. And I'm sure you've seen this. People who are the handsome, holy tribal men, you know, people who go, you know, I'm, I'm a leader in the evolution of consciousness, you know, yeah, patriarch. <clears throat> it is part of the woman's work to not be naive about the man's show. And that's hard work because a woman wants the show to be real or wants the man to be real or wants the man to be there but to not be naive about it without being going into disappointment and despair forever. You know, how do you, how can you not be naive without, without going into disappointment and despair about how bad it is or how horrific it is? I have seen so many men who seem to be able to create healing possibility or transformation for people in a training space, but their personal life is shit. I've seen that so often. Anybody else seen that before? Being a trainer, as a quote, has become part of their show. 
They think, see, I can be a good trainer, a good coach. You say, the woman says, yes. And if you are not powerfully relating with and empowering and invoking a powerful woman at your side, you are merely fooling yourself. What do you think you're doing? Who do you think you're deceiving? It is time to forget your strategy. That is just part of your lie. I'm not dazzled by whatever grandiose quote-unquote training you think you are delivering. The level of crap detecting and the level of sword clarity is needed for this work. It's just needed. You know, pretending that something else will work is, is well or past time for that. The good king legend. You know, this legend, okay, there's a good king. There's a King Arthur. There's a king in the Lord of the Rings, the new king. What's his name? Aragorn. Aragorn, Aragorn, yeah. King Aragorn, the good king. This legend of the good king lives in our bones. We long to serve a good king. Many of us would die to serve a good king. But where is one? They do not exist on earth. They do not exist in the patriarchy. The image is palpable in films and imaginary legends. You can feel it. The longing for this is intense enough to deceive ourselves into joining a sect or a cult or a fantasy world of the, of the good king up there. A few years of your life may go by before you crash your disrespectful, dishonorable self-deception. You get that? It could take a while for you to crash your self-deception, or you might not do it. But so many people, even our parents, some of our parents, have been involved in these sects and these cults, and we've been, we've been raised in this situation where, you know, they tried to pass that on to us. You know, and maybe they never crashed their disrespectful, dishonorable self-deception. Maybe they never crashed in it. And it's our work, part of our work to grow up is to crash that world and, and the, the world with our parents in it. You just crash it against reality. So women's work is sword work. You become the immovable stand that says every time your gremlin behavior comes up, you transform it. Whatever it takes, you transform it. If you say, I will transform it, and you do not, in reality, transform it, the third time you lie to me, this conversation is over. For me, it would be the first time. But I will open only three doorways for you. I mean, that's my, it's, it's basically my orientation as a, as a, coach or a trainer with people, if they're sitting in the chair across from me, I will open three doors. And if they don't go through the third door, I say this conversation is over. And I don't, I don't care. It's not my life. You know, it's not, they're not ready to go through the door. I'm not going to play the game. Three doors, conversation is over. If you do not go through any of these three doorways, this conversation is over. That's a good sentence to memorize. This conversation is over. Part of your work in this process of exiting the patriarchy is to absolutely notice your own provocations. Like when, how, and especially why do you provoke the swamp? 
to take over your relating space? Is it part of it is part of your work to vigilantly detect how do I promote pig making instead of king making? If you are not radically self-honest about every occurrence, then valuable efforts on both the men's side and your own side are lost. So this vigilance, really, it needs to persist. Deep down, you need to establish, this is for women, you need to establish the possibility that the man can radically rely on you in this process. So that means no secret revenge, no secret betrayal, no secret I told you so. Okay, you, the man can possibly radically rely on you throughout this whole process, which could take, you know, years, takes months and years, because the man starts off and will remain completely lost in this process. A man born and raised in the patriarchy has no reference points for anyone ever demonstrating this process for them, ever. They are lost from beginning to end. There's no map for them. Unable to navigate how it should go, the woman must radically refrain, that means resist, from revenging all the betrayal and the abuse she has received at the hands of idiot, evil, ignorant, numb, patriarchal, quote-unquote, men. You have to resist that. If the woman cannot become absolutely impeccable in her stand to hold space for this evolutionary healing process of man and woman relating, if you cannot also simultaneously start over in the archiarchal context, then your broken promise is as evil as the man's. It takes guts to do this. If you deceive, even in the most subtle way, then the man gets permission to lie, and all is lost. Each of you starts accusing, that's your gremlin, and the mindless gremlin wars instantly recommence. Instantly. You go back to zero. Impeccability does not mean perfection. Impeccability means fallibility. <clears throat> it includes fallibility. Like the, the lack of perfection. Fallibility is that you could make a mistake. As long as you sincerely apologize for any pig-making provocation and go through your own emotional healing processes so that your behavior never happens again. You do your own impeccability work, the woman. Do your own impeccability work to create legitimacy for your demand that the man does his own impeccability work. And this builds a foundation for encountering the archetypal domains together. End of section four, stage four. We've made it through four of seven domains, four of seven stages. Anything about that? I wish somebody had written this for me 30 years ago. I mean, 
<clears throat> I say it pretty often, but you know, I never read anything like this from Aristotle or Archimedes or any of these guys, you know, from Descartes or Heidegger or any of these guys. You know, I never read something like this. And so I've never seen it carved, you know, translated carved hieroglyphs on the Egyptian tombs, you know, from any ancient culture anywhere. They they never had this. And so I'm I'm pretty clear that this is archiarchy is a culture that never existed on earth before. And you know, six to ten thousand years, that's how long the patriarchy's been around. That's a long time. It's almost, you know, that's that's the extent of human written history. You know, we have oral history before then, but but written stuff is never, we don't have anything older than that. And that's been for the patriarchy. And so I'm pretty sure this breakthrough that's happening under duress of global warming and overpopulation and toxic wastes from nuclear reactors, et cetera, et cetera, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is our chance. There's this great film called uh, the, the Day the Earth Stood Still, with Keanu Reeves in it. It's a great film. It's a, actually a, a remake of a, even an older film of the same, but it's this, it's just basically this moment, you know, where the aliens confront humans and say, look, I mean, the, in this film, it's great. Humans start to realize this is not our planet. This is not our planet. And the aliens are coming and saying, it's not your planet. You're fucking it up. We're taking it away from you. And the humans get on their knees, basically, and they go, give us a chance. Give us, you know, we, they ask the aliens, did this ever happen to you? And the aliens said, yes, it happened to us. And the alien and the earthling says, well, how did you make it? And the guy says, we barely made it at the last moment. The alien says this. And the earth is, earthling is saying, give us our last moment. Don't take it away right now. Let us have this moment because that's where we might shine. We have a chance to shine. Let us have this chance. And this is our chance. This is it. This is our chance. And so we really, the doors are open. There's so much stuff emerging right now with so much clarity and power for archaearchy as a possibility for humans on earth. And this is our chance. And so I hope you, I hope you are including this shift to archaearchy in your orientation with your work, with your projects, with your rage club, your fear clubs, and your emotional healing processes, and the articles you write, is really to bring forth the opportunity that we have to shift into archaearchy, even if it's hard, even if it seems impossible, even if it's painful, even if it's embarrassing. You know, is to like, this is our chance. Let's go for it. Because, because we don't go for it. That's it. That's the end. It's really in our face. It's it's become irrefutable. So, I just kind of discovered recently that it seems that this this thing that 
pervades, right? Like take over. Pervades pervades. A, yeah, it Pervasive means it's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. This this idea of how do we become human? You know, how do, people don't really use how to grow up or how to be initiated, but it's more and and what pervades is this idea that we have lost something that we have to go back to indigenous ways. Mm. It's like we have to remember what we've lost and that the indigenous ways, they had a way. And yes, they had a way. I mean, to some degree or another, they didn't face overpopulation, but the most indigenous culture are actually, are actually patriarchal because they warrior clans. So that's how you can tell if a, a culture is patriarchal. Is it, is it, a, is it oriented towards war? Does it have an army? Does it have soldiers? You know, is it is that you know a hierarchy? In a, a hierarchy, there's a chief. So and yes, they had traditions, let's say, or values that included some kind of sustainability. And I, not really, not really. Slash and burn agriculture is not sustainable. Yeah, but for, you know, I can think of the Mayan was was Martin Prechtel, where they had this relationship to Gaia through the deities and spiritual blah, 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 all this stuff. And so I, I think that's not a way to go. Like, we can't go back, actually, because even the previous indigenous, if there was ever a thing called matriarchy, which were, you know, let's live on, that planet Earth will take care of us. This is baby stage. It's baby, baby, we're baby, there's a mother, she's going to take care of us, all is wonderful, we can experiment. And you see babies, they're pretty, pretty much happy, you know, unless they really had, you know, horrible parents. But a horrible past life. A horrible past life until they're five, six years old, you know, or in, in getting into, you know, more consciousness. Okay, well, hum, humanity is this teenage state, like, whatever. You could consider eight, nine, ten, eleven... I look at kids around, you know, I, I get to travel. I look at boys. The only thing they do is destroy things. It's the only thing I see them do. They, they grab toys and they beat each other and they want to, you know, destroy things. And, and, and I look at them, it's like, okay, this is it. Like, this is where humanity is. Just take, like, take anything and destroy it and, and kill it and beat each other. And, and so, you know, if you think most people, if, if you don't have an adult ego state contaminated with a child ego state, going back to baby stage is not actually really attractive. Taking all responsibility away, you don't get any decision, you don't get to choose what you eat, what you wear, when you poop, when you sleep, you know, what you see, who you talk to, none of that. As a baby, you, get, you don't get any of that. And, and so it seems like a natural evolution to actually grow up, like to actually become adult. And then the, I think be, the, the, the reason why this let's go back to, in, you know, let's be inspired by indigenous culture pervades is because there's so, there's almost no information about how, how to be adult. So there's nothing we can say, well, let's go there because most people don't even know that that's possible or what it looks like or what it feels like or what, what's the sensation of the experience of adult, of adulthood. But I think if we keep putting this documentation outside, people will say, oh, yeah, that's 
that's what I've been looking for. Like that the indigenous village in a way cannot satisfy a, a growing ego. Like we have too big of an ego. Like people, we've moved into teenager. We have too big of an ego to go back to, let's forget about what you want to do. We do what the village wants to do. You know, let's forget about your archetypal lineage. We do the traditions. Let's forget about what your being wants to evolve into. We do what we've always done. You know, that's kind of, that's the matriarchal, more indigenous villaging type. And, and so there's this whole new type of villaging, you know, and I go back to that and that's kind of my thing at the moment, but there's a whole new type of villaging that's how does it work where you have self, you know, self-given authority, agent of clarity, transformation, power, creation. How do they live together? Well, it's a whole new way of relating. And I think part of it is what happens when both the men and the women extract themselves from from patriarchy is how do we actually come together? Like how do we creatively collaborate when we're such strong willed, you know, it's like, I'm not going to be adaptive to, to you. Give it, that doesn't mean we're alone. Something like that. And that's really, I think that's the creation. Like that's the edge. That's the, the documentation of, of all this archaearchy. And I can only imagine that if we make it, you know, in a hundred years, people will look at possibility management and, oh, what? These people were talking about that? God, there was such, like, this is baby stage. This is, these people really knew nothing. I'm sure they would. If we made it, yeah. So I just, I just hope that, um, it's like, for example, the, 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 we talk about archetypes and, in the what pervades the word archetype is this union Freudian image of like idea of what archetypes is and we're using it in a completely different context and so I hope to just kind of point out to not be I don't know like snapped into let's go back let's try to remember something because I think it's like let's try to create something we really at this stage mm-hmm. let's invent we're in the raw improvisation and invention. What's what's coming up for me when, with this last paragraph is that I noticed that I used to have this impression when I was in a relationship with a man that by having evolved together and relating that that there's this kind of knowing each other where i i have this old picture that this is the person i can finally relax with so here i can let go and and i think part of my like my child ego state is still looking for that so so it's like with the best friend i can, I can just let go i won't be attacked here or i this is a safe space. And so that is just completely breaking away and getting even more clearer that with, if I take that seriously, like what my focus is or the, the job to do to have this amount of clarity and sort out, like that just drops away as 
like, I, like as an expectation that I would be safe because it just doesn't make sense even to look for that at that place. So I'm, I'm glad that, that that is just becoming more like more clear and I'm getting more conscious about that that's not the orientation to look for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's an alertness required. And mm -hmm. it, the, the child is not alert. You, you put the child in charge, you're dead. It's over. So yeah. why would you, it's like putting a child in front of a, in a car driver's seat and say, let's go 180 on the Autobahn. Go ahead, drive. And it, it's not what the child, you know, the child is from the past. So you, you can put the child back in the past where it belongs and, and respect it or honor it and have it zero influence on your current present state, your present world. Yeah, and then you get to dance. You get to, you know, you get to do the sword work. You get to invent out of, you know, you get to transform stuff. You get to, you, you get to go over the edge. You get to evolve. You get to move into unknown places. This is nothing for any of those other ego states. You know, it's adult and archetypal, and the rest, you know, your gremlins at your side is a tool. You have non-linearity and creation force, but it's but any other influence for shadow principles is not going to help you. And so, but the delight of creation, again, Chloe was talking about, that's incredible. You know, that's ecstatic. And so, you know, and for me, it's been worth fighting for. It's been worth clarifying my world so that I get to, I get that those opportunities. And I look around and there are very few people really inventing what needs to be invented. You know, otherwise I would not have had to make this proposal to the United Nations for a regenerative set of goals, regenerative earth goals, you know, regenerate earth goals. This I would not have had to do this if there were any adults around. You know, this should have been done a hundred years ago. And so we're we're called to great opportunities and also in demands. And of course we could just say, well, I'm lazy, you know, it should have been done by somebody else, not my job, I'm not trained or qualified or certified, blah blah. You know, we can do that. That's easy. Everybody else is doing that. So on the other hand, you could, you could rise to the occasion. It's about rising to the occasion. It means like all right, so show up, play full out. It's flying school. And so that's what we're given as an opportunity. What? No, I, I, you know, the, the idea of being relaxed, I think is attached with the idea of that's, that's delightful. <laughs> like if I'm relaxed, it's, it's nice. Mm. But it's because it's attached to that idea that you're looking, you know, you're oriented, you or you were oriented towards it. But if you say what's delightful is creation, it, mm. because because it is. I mean, for me, my experience is I, if I have my sword out, I actually don't have to battle gremlins because my sword is out, and they smell it and they sense it, and they just pretty much leave me alone. 
you know, until it's one is so unconscious that comes and dies on it and dies on your sword. Yeah, it dies on the sword. But this, yeah, it's well, stage five, the next stage is I, I want to say, yeah, is the fear of not knowing. Go ahead, Ken. I feel fear to to speak this now, and I somehow I want to formulate. I want to try formulating something, and that is, uh, I feel fear. Like I have a yes for this. Like this has never existed on Earth, and I feel fear about getting arrogant about it, because, um, but but in a, in this disconnected way, in this in this disconnected way from. I don't know, from the, there were always people through all times who broke through this kind of cultural conditioning that they've been grown up in and, and spoke about it. And, and so, and another thing is that what it seems to me is that I or we have ingrained in our systems the capability of experiencing those things. So it, it is designed in us to experience archiarchy. It is it is inherent. So some place I don't know, I have this I I don't I yeah, I feel fear I feel fear about you basically Clinton or say claim this has never existed because it is inside of us. The the possibility for it. And um the other part is about I've been to Men's Circle in Nelson here the last week and, and I've seen what basically you speak about with this. There are no Men's Circle doing this work. It's patriarchal bullshit, trying to become successful, being this, believing and encouraging each other in these fantasy dreams of that there's this future for a man to successfully live into. And, and I... I've seen like there's this documentary, the work where they did for 17 years in prison men's work. And I, I was watching this thing and I was just crying because I've never seen a place where I've seen more of, uh, I don't know. It's it love more, more this. I don't know if it's archaeology, but it's close to the distinctions of that. And yeah, so there's this, I think there's a place for, I just want to, I, I, I say that, that there's a place for men also need to, to like, I've been in this men's circle with Jeff for two years now, and it started with burn the patriarchy and, and something in me grew in that intention that, uh, being in this space was needed for me to like, I don't know. Even if we're all blind to walk together. And uh, yeah, I feel sad. I feel sad for
I don't even know, like for this, how big this journey is. Yeah, I wish I had to argue with you about this, <clears throat> but I don't. I don't have to say anything. All I have to say is show me where it is. Show it to me. Which country, which city, you know, where? Show it to me. It just doesn't exist. You know, yes, it's a, it's a potential. Yes, so. We have archetypal potentials. We have these huge, incredible, amazing potentials of consciousness that designed in. Guy is waiting for for organism to wake up and and manifest that, you know, not just as a, as a thought or as a dream or some spiritual teaching, you know, but in reality, where is it? Here we are. The arrogance thing that you're talking about is is needed, in my opinion. Because if you don't have a certain level of arrogance, then you'll have self-doubt. And then it's over. The whole thing's over. You kill it from the inside. So there's a kind of arrogance to be able to <clears throat> make a proposal. I would just add, or or half-ass proposal, which is, you know, we could say some men's work don't don't do this, and then everybody who's doing men's work reading the articles, so, okay, my men's we're work. We're the ones, yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. We have time to read a little of section stage five, and I'd like to read that because it opens up this whole other domain that we've been trying to work towards. So it says the fear of not knowing. That's that's this stage. You get these are stages that you go through in this immense transformational process, healing and transformation. <clears throat> it goes like this. You are exiting patriarchy. This is the woman. You are exiting patriarchy with a man who is going through gremlin transformation and wants to be caught so that his being has a chance of peeping out of the defense strategy and the patriarchy to experience presence and authentic intimacy in a being-to-being -being connection with you. Each success, each moment of success is wonderful. But after each stage closer to presence, men's next fear immediately erupts in him. At this stage, meaning stage five, he says, quote, now that I am a little bit more myself, I see that I actually do not know how to do this. I do not know how to do this. I don't know you. I can no longer control you, the woman. I can no longer possess you, the woman. I'm afraid of not knowing how to be with you. 
I don't know how to do this. This comes up for the man. The entire orientation for men in the patriarchy is to know how to do things, to have the answer, to give solutions for fixing problems, to control the outcome of things. And in the area of relating without a plan, the man will have nothing to offer. The man has nothing to offer. And he admits, I do not know how to be myself when you are being yourself. It terrifies an uninitiated man to the core that he is not in charge through his dominant knowing, you know, his patriarchally supported knowing. This orientation and value system dedicated to knowing, it kills the feminine. The woman's innate doorway to archetypal love locks down in the presence of knowing. It locks down to defend itself. Patriarchal habits take over, automatically clamping down the wild, unpredictable, uncontrollable feminine abundance. With knowing, the man does not know how to be with unleashed woman. He cannot use men's culture on the woman. And he does not know any other kind of culture. He does not know how to not know. Relating abilities are so natural to the feminine, not in the patriarchal view that the feminine should be nice or forgiving or nurturing or all-embracing or understanding. But when a woman finally stands in a culture that liberates her qualities, being in the not knowing and navigating relating has the easefulness of breathing. You have the woman over the years covered up your arc and relating knacks, your skills with layers of defense driven by the need for protection and survival in the patriarchal domain of knowing. You just covered it over. The more that the feminine can come to life through you, the more natural it becomes for you to unleash your competence in being with another person. And this is when the woman continues holding space for the man and discovers the magic of arc and relating skills. The isness of the minutia, like the, the existence of these tiny details of reality become elements and tools for interactions without seduction, you know, the white widow stuff, without manipulation with sexual energy. And at the same time, if you are not radically disciplined with your own gremlin, it is not safe for the man to move his gremlin to his side. You get that? If you're not radically clear about your own gremlin, he can't move his gremlin to the side. Instead, you apply your own gremlin's awareness of subtleties and nonlinear possibilities to creating new experiments for five-body relating during physical, intellectual, emotional, energetic, and archetypal intimacies. That's what you give your gremlin the job to do. You say, I will teach you magic. You tell the man this. I will teach you magic. It's you and your gremlin. 
at your side. Well, I will teach you magic. I have magic. I have magical relating skills. And you do not. You're telling this to the man. But don't worry. In this relating space, you do not have to regard yourself as being incompetent. You do not have to try to be relational. Instead, go back to being nothing. I will show you what to say, in which tone of voice to say it, and the timing of when to say it. I will give you examples of what questions to ask, how much is too much, how much is too little, energetically, emotionally, in all dimensions, not just in speaking, but also in speaking. This way, you can learn to do extraordinary and archetypal relating magic with me, moment to moment. We can navigate the unknown naked without a plan. You will not be able to do magic with the man at first. He needs to learn awareness and expression manners. <clears throat> he needs to be housebroken, to not shit in the garden of woman. He needs to learn that you cannot be the man but that if he follows your indications, he can expand into new territories. At the same time, you can learn to do something that is frustrating, while at the same time you are doing something else. So it's you're splitting your attention, you're splitting your efforts. You're doing something that is frustrating, at the same time you're doing something else. What you are doing need not be related to what you are being. You do something and be something else. That is when the magic starts. Endless new skills can be learned and practiced intimately. New ways of being together include waiting is. Waiting together. It's just waiting together. This is a, a new kind of intimacy. The skill of being a vacuum in time or waiting for the right time to arrive, because the timing of woman is very different from the timing of men. When a woman tries to rush, she is abusing herself. You are learning to withhold nothing and adapt to nothing. A man matching a woman's timing is magical discipline. It is all foreplay. If you do not notice that it is all foreplay, you cannot enhance or enjoy the foreplay. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Each space is creative collaboration, conscious nonlinear actions of extraordinary theater, and each space is connected to every other space, which means you can get to anywhere from here. End of stage five. Could you expand a little more on this paragraph? At, at the same time, you can learn to do something that is frustrating while at the same time you're doing something else. Yeah, you're being something else. Maybe I read the same time you can learn to do something that is frustrating, while at the same time it's wrong, yeah. it should have been being something else. What, uh, you, what you are doing need not be related to what you are being. Okay. Do 
you're being a space holder for this magical transformation and what you're doing is something different. You're pointing out, noticing, you're making an offer for an experiment, you're holding space and saying nothing. That is when the magic starts. There's this great film called uh, Secret Society, called Secret Society. <clears throat> and it's a story about this kind of ordinary woman who's getting an ordinary job in an ordinary company. And then she discovers a group of women who are, who are doing the same job as her, but they're doing it with ecstatic attention. And, and she's just bored and angry and tired. It's like a horrible job. And that these women are, they've got something else going on. And in the film, she discovers what that is. So it's a great film called Secret Society. I'm, I'm putting a little description because there's actually a bunch of movies that call Secret Society. Ah. But And the one that we're talking about is actually pretty well, not not so known. And so the the flyer, how do you call it? The, the whatever. The okay. cover of the, the cover. Of the yeah, the cover is this is this kind of is Japanese. It's a woman dressed in a Japanese outfit, kind of black and red. Yeah, and so that's possible. I mean, I kind of live my life in in that way because I'm in archaearchy, and and Chloe's in archaearchy, and we look at each other, and archaearchy is this space is archaearchy, and a guy comes to the door, and he's going a uh, cleaning service. No. He bangs on them. He bangs on the door. Cleaning service, no. And I do not let him in that space. I open the door gently and I stand there and I look at him. He's going, cleaning service. And I just still look at him, you know, and I go, well, thank you. Not today. You know, we'll let you know when cleaning service needed. Maybe next week. We'll come get you. And it's like, what? You know, it's like a whole different thing. But I'm in one space and he's in another space. And so I'm not going to try to force him to be in my space, but I'm not going to I'm not going to step into his space. So I'm in this different parallel culture. And when you live in a parallel culture, there's this alertness. The air tastes different. You know, everything has a different meaning and purpose to you than it does to the people around you. And so that's what that's what this is. You're being an archon and they're being a, a zombie in patriarchy. And so, okay. That's how it is. And you, you you don't have to be depressed about it. You can be creative about it. You can learn new ways to talk to zombies. There's amazing ways to talk to zombies. That would be an experiment I would propose for this week. Is learning new ways to talk to zombies. I have a couple minutes left. Anybody have anything? We've made it all the way up to stage six. The fear of being nobody. The first stage five was the fear of not knowing. Stage six is the fear of being nobody. Well, I have something to say, which I think this this article actually would probably be like better. There would be a better use for it. would Would be part of a practice space. This part of reading it, and then, I mean. Almost each sentence is actually, it's a whole skill. It's a whole world to inhabit. It's a whole identity to move into. And maybe it's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. 
when do we get to practice? Like when do we get to actually, you know, give feedback and coaching to each other and learn like that? So at the woman of earth rich house is one place. <laughs> We're gonna meet meet every week to do that. Well Yay. I also I want to add one more space that's available for women that I hold. It's called Women Holding Space for Arc and Relating, and it came out of the Women of Earth Bridge House or Lab, and we meet biweekly and we do rage work every time, and also we bring what is our necessity, and then somehow we we haven't been deeply studying the article each week, but we relate somehow back to the article each week. Uh, so it's a really powerful space. And I, I want to bring one more celebration that uh, that Bishop, who's a woman who's in it, uh, remarked that it was the last session was really revolutionary for her uh, to be practicing. Uh, yeah. Negotiating intimacy. That was one of the things that really landed in me experientially at this last session that negotiating what I want is is really about offers for intimacy. I practice this shift and I wish it was recorded with two different goes and they were just worlds apart when it really landed that it's it's really how am I inviting someone in and not telling them what they're not doing and how it's not working for me. So that is also another space for women. Thank you. Thank you. How do I find out about it? The when it's uh, on, it is. I'll message you. Are you on Telegram? Yes. Send you a direct message. Thank you. I'd appreciate that. Yes. Thank you, Janet. You also put it in the study group. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for hanging in here or out here. Maybe hanging out here. Or hanging like, out like dry laundry. Yeah, like dry laundry. <laughs> <laughs> I want to share one more thing is that I just seen that when I take out this piece that this has existed before I'm just encountering a lot of grief about like I think a part of me wanted to make sense like a child part wanted to make sense of that it must have existed Yeah, I've been in that same space for probably 15 years. I've been searching. I went to Crete. I looked up the Minoans. You know, I've been all over looking for these ancient cultures and signs of something else. It's been shocking and it's been so like shocking to be whatever, like uh, faced with the human, human, especially men, lack of paying attention to what's going on and drawing something different. It's really disrespectful. I just like shock and rage and grief. It seems to relate for me to the absence of initiatory processes, especially for men. I, I think should, I would say especially for women also, actually. In most indigenous cultures, women had zero initiation. Mm. Or, yeah, 
Great. Yeah, especially for space holding. Uh, it's like a, the women's initiation had more to do with like the, their physical body or children or, or something like that, but not not okay taking care of the culture or tradition. Mm -hmm. We call it a night. We're gonna call it a night. We'll call it a morning. Take <laughs> <laughs> care. Be fierce. Bye. Fun. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye Greg. Bye. Get it. See you, see you tomorrow. Or whatever.